Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Wake up, Chuck Bryant. What's up, Buttercup? Chuck's fading. He's ready to get out of here. So uh, we're going to... No, you don't lie, Chuck. These rainy days, you know? Rainy days and Mondays. They always get you down? Mm. Karen Carpenter. What a waste. Yeah, sad. Yeah, so... uh, This is not on anorexia. No, it's not, actually. It's on money laundering, which we can't... Or we can or can't say... I think is one way to put it. Whether or not Karen Carpenter ever engaged in that, God rest her soul. I believe that she did not. You never know, Chuck. I'll go on record. Chuck, you ever see Scarface? Ugh, you kidding me? Is it so you have seen it? Oh yeah, many times. Edward G. Robinson, James Cagney. Oh no, I thought you were talking Pacino. I was. Okay. I just don't like it when you gloat. I, I jerk. Um. So you know that one scene when he's sitting there laundering the money with the guy who turns out to be the cop? Yeah. And for some reason, De Palma made it so, like, uh, it actually simulates the eight hours that they're supposedly sitting there doing it. Right. That was actually a pretty good lesson in what not to do when you launder money. Right. And I think the the moral to it was never launder money with an undercover police officer. Right. My favorite part of that movie is when he buries his face in the huge mountain of cocaine on his desk at the end. That is a good part. And thousands of bullets, hundreds of bullets, could not even take him down at that point. But they did, eventually. No, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. No, I couldn't remember if he died in an explosion, but there, because there are grenades in that scene. It's so nuts. That is a good, good uh, movie. Uh, Anyone who hasn't seen that uh, can sign up to be derided by Chuck and I Mm -hmm. um, on our blog, which we'll talk about later. But first, let's talk about money laundering, Chuck. Let's. So, you know, like, for the most part, it's a, well, you would think for the most part, it's, it's, the realm of drug dealers like they use cash almost exclusively uh-huh. they've got to wash it it's dirty money they can't account for it right um and the the tax system especially in the u.s is set up in such a way that th- that's supposed to be obvious right where which is where money laundering comes in it's a sure. way around this you know declaration of, hey, I made a bunch of money by selling heroin, which you can't really do because they they bust you for selling heroin. I'm surprised the government wouldn't just say, oh, that's great. We'll take 30% of that and just be about your way. Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, what would the IRS contact the DEA or would the IRS just be like, you're an upstanding citizen, you drug dealer? Well, that's one of the big arguments for legalization of drugs is you can just tax the heck out of it and legitimize it and make sure. a lot of money off of it. And again, remember when we were talking about uh, how moonshine works mm-hmm. during Prohibition, it kind right. of added this forbidden aspect to sure. to drinking. And so, of course, drinking increased, right? Yeah. So it makes you wonder if drug use would drop. But that's neither here nor there. It isn't. But what I was saying was is, is you, you would think it's mainly drug traffickers engaged in money laundering. It is a lot. Because a million dollars in cocaine mm-hmm. estimated at uh, t- 20 kilos. Right. Right? Um, 44 would weigh pounds. 44 pounds yeah. or 20 kilos for our metric friends. Sure. Yeah. Um, and a uh, million dollars in cash weighs 256 pounds. Yeah. So it's kind of tricky, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, it doesn't – it turns out it's not just – Drug dealers who are laundering this heavy, heavy cash, uh, because the the UN estimates this is a 2005 estimate, it's the latest I can find, that the um, global drug trade is valued at about 321 billion dollars annually. That's a lot of dough. It is a lot of dough, but 
it's estimated that the value of all of the money that's laundered every year globally is somewhere between five hundred billion and one trillion. Wow. So clearly the entirety of the drug trade, three times over, couldn't account for the high end estimate. No. Of of all the money that's being laundered no. in in the world every year. Terrorists. Terrorists. Big money launderers. White collar guys. Sure. Um, basically, anybody who's come across a substantial amount of money that you can't just walk around with in your pockets. And you don't want to pay taxes on. Right. Uh, you you launder the money. Right. Right? So how, how do you do this? Oh, and also, I should probably say the vast majority of the cash that's getting washed is the U.S. dollar for two reasons. Number one, it's pretty much the de facto international currency. Right. Yeah. We learned about that in our audio book, right? Which we'll get to I'm later. I'm sorry, our spoken word album. <laughs> um, and... Uh, also, because the U.S. is some of the strictest banking transparency laws in the world. Right. So if you have some dollars and you want to get it back into the U.S., you got to wash it first, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Let's talk about the three steps, Chuck. Sure. Uh, number one is called placement. There right. Are three steps of money laundering. Uh, placement basically means that uh, the launderer... Uh, inserts dirty money into a legitimate um, financial institution, like right. so they'll put their money in a bank. Right. Um, but it's dirty money. It is dirty. So this money is at the this, point. this is the riskiest stage. This is like the water making that tense, hollow sound as it's filling up in the drum of the washing machine. Right, and it's risky because cash, large amounts of cash, are always a red flag uh, these days. And in fact, in the U.S., I believe the limit is a ten thousand dollar deposit. It's not just the U.S. that holds that standard, but definitely other folks in the are U.S. Now. Sure, yeah, okay. the uh, international uh, task force. Well, they're required to report uh, anything ten thousand, or I believe it's anything totaling ten thousand within uh, like a five day period. Is that right? I think one day. Oh, one day period. Uh-huh. Okay, you're right. But yeah, still the the golden number if you're laundering money is to stay below ten grand in a day right. in deposits. So once you've got that done and your dirty money is in a bank, mm-hmm. lots of it, uh, you move on to step two, which is called layering. And that means you start to send this money out uh, via transactions. Like right. We're talking bank-to-bank transfers, uh, wiring money, um, investing in some high-value items, like you could go buy a yacht or something right. like that. Right. And you're basically just trying to send the money out and spread it around to all different sorts of places. This is what I consider the rent cycle. The rent cycle. Yes. Nice. Yeah, it's it's being agitated and and um, right. yeah. So this is and it's the most complex part of of laundering money as well because you're taking one lump sum right and then dividing it into as many things as you possibly can, which makes it hard to trace. Which is really essentially the whole point to money laundering. Sure. You want to make it really hard to trace back to you. Right. So then we come, Josh, Joshy, to integration, which is phase three. And this is when the money comes back into the mainstream uh, economy um, looking like legitimate transactions. Right. You divest from those legitimate businesses you invested in. Yep. You sell that yacht mm-hmm. um, or you transfer money from these kind of shady banks right? or or, or banks in, in countries with shady systems, which we'll talk about in a minute, right. uh, into you know, U.S. banks again or right. you know, something and like that. And at that point, as... Joe Pesci would say, the money is laundered. Yes. That's and that, that was the weapon I, too, I think. I call That's sad that you know that. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you right now. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're going to tell me you watch The Closer. I No, I've never seen that show. Give but I'm a show. big Kira Sedgwick fan. All right. So, so good. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I was at one point. Till The Closer? Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, get, get off her. Okay. So, um, you know, since there's so many different countries out there that have banking secrecy 
um, protection, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's so many places where you can go buy a yacht and they're not going to, they don't have to by law say, where'd you get this money? Right. Um, and businesses don't have to say, hey, where'd you get this money if you're investing in them? That, it, it seems like it would be impossible to catch. It is hard to catch, too. It is. Well, Josh, is certainly not from a lack of looking because there are a lot of places that try to find money launderers like the Department of Justice, State Department, FBI, IRS, DEA. They've all got money laundering uh, departments. Sure. Or money laundering. Uh, they're not laundering money, obviously. Right. That's no, they, they're looking for money launderers. Exactly. So, um, yeah, the IRS can find you. And I imagine if you're a money launderer, they can find you, too. Right. And there's also, since we're talking about, those are United States-based organizations. It gets global, too, because it's it usually involves global transactions. That's kind of the key to the whole thing. So there's something called the Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering, the FATF. Th- that was the other organization I was saying that has that $10,000 reporting requirement, oh, okay. too. Yeah. Right. Well, that's fantastic. The UN gets involved, too. Our buddies at the UN. Yeah, the World Monetary Fund. Mm-hmm. So that's who's looking out for the money International launders. Monetary Fund. I'm sorry about that one. Right. So, uh, do you want to talk about the some of these methods, Josh? Like the peso exchange? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hit it. Okay, so um, that is the black market Colombian peso exchange system, mm-hmm. and this is like the 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 world standard. Um, and actually, it is centered in Colombia. What happens is, is like, say you are a drug trafficker and you have a bunch of dirty money, Chuck. Right. Say it. I am a drug trafficker, and I have a load of dirty money. Well, I just happened, friend, to be a peso broker, and I can clean that money for you. And you want to hear how I'm going to do it? Well, what do you mean by clean, Josh? No, I'm going to make <laughs> it so that it's legitimate again. Okay. Okay. So what's going to happen is you're going to give me your dirty money. Okay. I'm going to give it to a Colombian importer who's going to buy a bunch of American-made goods. Okay. And... We're going to buy them on the black market because we don't want to pay any taxes on any of this. Oh, no, no, no. Right? So the importer goes and orders a bunch of stuff, gets it under the radar, um, imported to Colombia, mm-hmm. sells it for pesos, takes the pesos. The, the, the Colombian importer is going to give me the pesos, take a little bit for himself, any profit he can make off of it. Well, He's you. going to pay me back the yeah. equivalent of the U.S. dollars I gave him in mm-hmm. pesos. I'm going to skim a little off the top, and bada boom, bada bing, my friend, you have just converted your dirty U.S. dollars to clean Colombian pesos. Thanks. Hey, go forth. Do whatever you like. We've got it. a deal. Thank you. Thank you. For it's basically that me. easy. It is. Uh, and actually, sadly, it is very easy, and it was flying under the radar, like we said, for many, many years. And apparently, the Colombian government uh, and the American government were trying to figure out um, what was going on with all of these illegal U.S. imports. Mm-hmm. And came to figure out also, oh yeah, well, Colombia also has a huge money laundering problem, and and they're known for now we drugs. understand it. Yep, right. Yep. So uh, that's the old uh, black market Colombia peso exchange two-step shuffle. Very nice. And, and apparently, that's just a one-stop shopping deal if you want to launder your money. That's the place to go. Yeah. But there's also another one, and I know this one's your favorite because of the name, right? <laughs> yeah, smurfing. Yeah. Uh, structuring deposits is uh, the formal name, but they call it smurfing. And basically, this entails uh, when you break up large amounts of money into smaller, um, less suspicious amounts. So uh, in the U.S., it's got to be below $10,000 because, like we said, that's when banks have to report you. Right. And uh, it's the money is deposited, the smaller amounts are deposited into one or more banks by people called Smurfs. That's what they call them. Yeah, for no apparent reason. 
So Smurf that. Unless Peyo, the creator of the Smurfs, was caught doing this. Maybe that's where it was. Maybe that's where it originated. Right. Sounds like a Smurfing good idea to me. Have you ever seen the Smurf um, carpet bomb ad? No. I think it was for um, UNICEF. It was a UNICEF ad, and they played it in uh, Belgium. And basically it was a, an anti-war public service announcement, and they used the Smurfs, and the Smurfs' village is just carpet bombed, and they're all, like, killed. And they, they show the <laughs> aftermath, and burning Smurfs are walking uh-huh. around. It's really something. You should look it up. Jeez. Uh, so that's disturbing. On to overseas banks, which is always big. You always hear about offshore accounts. And, you know, growing up, you hear this from watching chips and stuff like that in my era. And you hear about offshore accounts, and I always picture some, like, bank floating in the ocean. Yeah, you know? I know what you mean. That's not what's going on there. No. But uh, they're basically countries that have really lax, uh, or not lax, but they just have secrecy laws mm-hmm. and allow anonymous banking to take place. Yeah, uh, like ba- Bahrain mm-hmm. um, is one that's not in the Caribbean. Bahamas, the the Caymans, Caymans, Hong I always Kong. think of Caymans, Hong Kong. Sure, uh, there's a place called Macau off the coast of China. Uh, underground alternative banking, which kind of cracks me up. I don't mm-hmm. know that I would invest in an alternative bank. This seems kind of like tribal in nature. Yeah, exactly. Like it's existed long before any banking regulations. Right. Very popular in Asia. I know then uh, Pakistan, the Hawala system in Pakistan and India, and the Fai Chin system in China. Yeah. So basically, it's a it's a trust system. There's no paper trail. No paper. No, which and is key because if you want to launder money, you don't want paper. That's the whole point. It's pretty. It's very much like the uh, offshore accounts. Like they, these are secret accounts. You they they won't reveal your identity. Um, there's no paper trail that's public in any way, shape, or form. Right. So these are really good places to use if you plan on laundering any money. Right. Not that we would encourage that because it's illegal, you get busted, you go to jail. No, although if you look at if you put together some of these seemingly random podcasts we've done, you could make moonshine, mm-hmm. sell it. Launder money. Launder money. And invest uh, that into a Ponzi scheme. Exactly. Early on mm-hmm. and then get out. So there you go. And here we step are, just by step a criminal clubs. <laughs> yeah. Not making uh, two pennies. You think we take our own advice, right? And then, Josh, there are shell companies, of course, when you have like a fake company you'll set up that really doesn't sell or manufacture anything. Well, what's the difference between a shell company and a front company? Is there a difference? There is a difference. You want to know? Well, then why don't you tell I me? I was just trying to set okay, you up, but I don't know the difference. A shell company is set up, it doesn't really do anything. It's only It only really exists on paper. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, and its it express purpose is to launder money. A right. front company- It's a real company. Right, but it, it's meant to launder money too, but you could it'd say it's a store. You could actually go into the store and buy something, uh, but it really the purpose is to, to launder money. Right. And that actually leads us to one of the problems with money laundering. I mean, you ask- why? Why would I care if people are laundering money? You know, aside aside from the obvious one, like I hate drug dealers, you know, and right. and, and I don't want them laundering their money. Or I hate terrorists. Clearly, everybody hates terrorists. Right. There's a lot of um, reasons. Yeah, but but for this reason, the last part with the uh, front company, it affects local economies in that mm-hmm. uh, small businesses can't compete with a front company because they're not trying to turn a profit off their product. Right. So they can sell it like at or below cost if mm-hmm. they want and drive other com- companies out of business. Yeah. Well, that seems a little flashy to me if you're a front company. Sure. I would think you just kind of want to stay even keel the whole time, right? Yeah, but greed, brother. It's true. Same with the Ponzi. It's uh, Greed takes a hold and then you're screwed. Same with the what? It's a Ponzi scheme. That's right. <laughs> but on a much a much larger level, there's other bigger problems. Like it can af- affect whole financial sectors sure. or economies. If right? enough money is is laundered through, well, one of the reasons why is a lot of these countries that these things are running through are small countries, and they don't have like the big huge economy the United States does. So someone's laundering, you know, 
$75 million through a tiny little country, it's all false, you know, that's going to affect the economy of that mm-hmm. country. Yeah. Plus, no one pays taxes on it, so you and I end up making up, well, not you, because apparently you don't pay taxes, but... <laughs> I do now, pal. Okay. I just didn't in the, the mid-early decade. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we end up making up for that, taxpayers do, by having to pay higher taxes. Right, but I think ultimately the reason why the DOJ, the FBI, the IRS, and the DEA are all involved in uh, trying to catch money launders is because the government ain't making any money off of it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking, if, if, we're, if it's a trillion dollars, you know, what's 30% of that? $300 right. billion. I got to tell you, the U.S. could use that three hundred billion right now if no we could get joke. that much of a chunk of it, right? Yeah, totally. And yeah. we'd go give it to some institution that's collapsing. Exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> a good use. Yeah, uh, that's that's robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yep. Oh wait, that was from the Ponzi scheme one, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's still a nice term. Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so, Chuck, you want to talk about a couple of famous um, money laundering busts? I would love to talk about Crazy Eddie. Okay, good, because I want to talk about Franklin Gerardo. Isn't that great when it works out like that? Mm-hmm. Serendipity. I knew it would. Crazy Eddie. And, uh, I remember this guy when I lived in New Jersey seeing the Crazy Eddie's uh, TV commercials. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He was one of those guys that it's exactly how you would think. Crazy Eddie's. Uh, this was in the 1980s. Eddie Antar. Uh, Crazy Eddie's Electronics. He skimmed millions of dollars uh, from his own company to hide it from the IRS. So he was doing this. He had some co-conspirators. And eventually he thought, you know what? I should send this money back into my own company disguised as revenue. Right, because he was going to launch an uh, initial public offering. Yeah, so I'll inflate my soon-to-be stock quote. And he did substantially, right? By like 30 million bucks or something? Yeah. Yeah. But that's false money. So it was overinflated, and the end result for him was bad news. He laundered uh, more than 8 million bucks and was busted and flew to Israel, and they found him in 1992. They extradited him back to us to stand trial, and he went to the Huska for eight years. Yeah, which isn't that bad. I imagine he probably had a lot of money stashed away waiting for him. I know. I was kind of surprised. Most of these prison sentences in here are like six to eight years. I figured it would be a little more than that. That's why I think uh, the Bernard Madoff sentence is going to be so huge. He's going to get like 100-plus years. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can I talk about my guy now? Oh, yeah. Uh, Franklin Gerardo? Yeah. Uh, and you want to put an R toward the end of it, but it's not. It's Gerardo. Gerardo. Um, so he was actually an economist. Um, and apparently economists are really good people to get to to launder money for you because they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, sure. You just need to get a, a crooked economist. Pretty much. Right. And from what I understand, this guy was it. Yeah. Um, there was a Colombian drug kingpin named Jose Santa Cruz Londono. And uh, he had uh, Gerardo... Basically, place the drug money into Colombian banks, right? Mm-hmm. Which we've already seen. Colombia, not that big on the banking regulation laws, right? Right. And then from there, he started making uh, wire transfers and deposits to 100 different accounts that had been set up, some in made-up names, some in family members' names, mm-hmm. um, to, in 68 banks in nine European countries, right? Right. And he was doing this really well for a while. Um, I think he managed to uh, launder $36 million bucks. Um but he was smurfing, actually. He was, Do you mean something else there, or you mean smurfing? He was smurfing, okay. as far as money laundering goes. I thought you were just using smurf like get they your, did on the Get your mind out of the gutter there. Okay. Um, he, was, he was probably doing that, too, because, you know, he's laundering millions of dollars. So sure. All the smurf he wanted. Getting a smurf on? Um, the, uh, 
the, the well, you just threw me off there, Chuck. Sorry. Um, so, but he was smurfing in that, like, none of his deposits top $10,000, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine how active this guy was. Right. And he had a lot of money to deal with. Uh, he got busted basically in two ways. Um, a red flag was raised when a, a bank in Monaco collapsed. Right. And uh, an audit revealed that, that he had a bunch of accounts that didn't have his name on it but could be traced back to him. Mm-hmm. Which is fairly unusual. Sure. And then really what uh, when he was actually arrested. This is great. His neighbor <laughs> called the cops to file a noise complaint because Gerardo was running his money counting machine all night. Right. And the cops show up and the, this guy's surrounded by millions of dollars in cash. I, know. I love those machines. You see them in the movies? Yeah. It's so cool. Right. Yeah. They are pretty cool. I've yeah. never had enough money to put them. Mine would go. Yeah. It would be over. Yeah. yeah. Here's your fifteen dollars. <laughs> you have fifteen dollars? Lucky. I know. Um so yeah, that that's how Gerardo got busted. And he got seven and a half years. Right. And he's in Harvard man, we should note. <clears throat> yeah. So it's not all just untoward uh, uh that's why I purposely left off the Harvard educated economist because oh, I I mean I think Look at Madoff. He's an intelligent guy. Oh, He's yeah. crooked as they come. Sure. It's called white collar, dude. It surely is for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess do you want to just quickly go over Operation Juno? Uh, yeah. Do you? You know what I'm talking about? Because you know it happened right here in Atlanta. This is the headquarters for it. I was a part of it. Were you really? No, of course oh, not. Okay. But this was in Atlanta, and the DEA pulled this one off, and it was not a sting operation for pregnant teens. <laughs> like the movie Juno. Nice one. This is pre pre that. Uh, this is 1999 is when it ended, and basically it was a sting operation. They set up uh, drug traffickers, uh, gave them resources to to turn their drug money and from dollars into pesos using yeah. the original uh, yep. peso scam. Yeah. And they busted uh, you know 40 people, 10 million bucks they seized. And uh, what substantial is the amount of cocaine that they seized? Yeah, 36 uh, kilograms of cocaine. No, buddy. Thirty-six hundred oh, kilograms. Oh, what I say? Thirty-six. Yeah, yeah. Two zeros. Three thousand six hundred kilograms of cocaine. Yeah, that puts Scarface even to shame. It really does. You can't stick your face in that mound and walk away from it. No, no. So that was Operation Juno. That was the DEA. Mm-hmm. That's about as successful as it comes, from what I understand. Yeah, I always have mixed feelings about sting operations, though. To be honest, sure, it's shifty, it's deceptive. It is. Nobody but, likes deception. Well, at the same time, though, you're getting you've busted these people, so the end result is nice. But you know, Machiavellian. And okay. justifies the means. Sure, yeah. In some cases. I think that's a definite motto for a lot of law enforcement. I just practices. think it's interesting that a cop can go up and say, hey, man, you want to launder this money? and We'll make it happen, and then we'll arrest you for it. I know. Clearly, the Colombians who were busted never saw Scarface. Right, clearly. Yeah. So that's uh, money laundering. Um, if you want to try your hand at it, you know pretty much everything you need to know right now. Yes, but you should not do that. And we want to thank uh, Jr. from Portland, Oregon. Jr. was who suggested this. Yeah, thanks, Jr. That was a good idea. Right out of the suggestion box. Uh, we wonder why Jr. But whatever. He that's actually cool. said in his email, "I don't want to try this. I'm just curious." So if that's Jr. Right, he did, didn't he? Yeah, if he follows up with um, counterfeiting, he'd like to hear that one then. <laughs> right. Or Ponzi. Well, actually, right. that's or kinda... digging your way out of prison. Right. Yeah. Well, if you want to know a little more, this is. Is actually a great article by our colleague Julia Layton, great excellent writer. writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you can type in uh, money laundering in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Don't go anywhere because we're about to blast your ears with our spoken word plug. Right. Josh and I and uh, Jerry, I'm sorry, Josh and me, please don't write in and correct me again, grammar police. We've been getting that a lot. I know. 
Yeah, it's called the the Stuff You Should Know Super Stuff Guide to the Economy. Mm-hmm. And we get to go out and interview folks and uh, go on location. And we really break down economics and the economy into yeah. a way that everyone can understand. It was a lot of fun to do. Yes, it was. And we recommend it highly. For three ninety nine on iTunes, on just iTunes. type in Super Stuff in the iTunes search bar. It should be the first thing that comes up. And what's most amazing to me is it doesn't suck. No, it's good. We're yeah. very proud of it, and we appreciate your support thus far. And if you guys could support us with this, we might get to record another one. Yeah. Same. And something more interesting Same. than Same. the economy, because, you know. <laughs> Chuck, blog me. Yes, blog. We also need to give a quick shout-out to our blog called Stuff You Should Know yeah. on the website, HowStuffWorks.com. We each post once a day, mm-hmm. me in the morning, Chuck at night. You should visit twice just yes. to see him. And we I do a podcast recap on Fridays, mm-hmm. so uh, that's where we can all sit around and chat about uh, what we do here. Yeah, and you said you can find it on, on the right rail of the homepage. Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, that means thank you for bearing with us. We tried to do a little shorter than usual because it's listener mail time. So this comes to us from Meg. And I'm just going to call this exceptional listener mail. Only one today. I can't know which one this is. Yeah, it's good. Uh, epilepsy. Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. So in our Deja Vu uh, podcast, we talked a little bit about epilepsy and that it's tied to Deja Vu many times, as is smelling lavender before you have a seizure. Yes. So Meg writes in, and she wanted to thank us for talking some about uh, epilepsy, as she is an epileptic. She has temporal lobe epilepsy, and she said she does suffer from Deja Vu on a fairly regular basis, but it doesn't necessarily mean wait for a seizure, which is what you said. Um, it is a seizure, basically. Oh, really? That's how she describes it. Huh. Uh, deja vu is a simple partial seizure. Uh, it can give way to a complex partial or generalized seizure, but it doesn't always have to. And she is she's pretty amazed by her own epilepsy. She yeah, she really called it amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, she said uh, the brain does crazy things when it's working normally. Just imagine what it can do when it's not. Uh, some of the simple partial seizures I've included, smelling lavender... Deja vu, tunnel vision, sparkly lights, and they sometimes, but not always, give way to complex partial seizures that can leave me drained for quite a while. Wow. So there's obviously a downside. It's not all cool. Flashing lights. And, and lavender. Yeah. So we just want to thank Meg for uh, writing in, and she said one day maybe we can do something on epilepsy, but I know eventually we're going to have a health podcast here, so we're probably not allowed to We should probably that. leave that to Clamberger. Yeah, but thank you, Meg, for that, and uh, good luck with your epilepsy. Thanks for yeah, sharing. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Meg. That's pretty pretty cool. Exceptional listener mail, indeed. Um, if you have anything exceptional to say, or you just want to say hi, or you want to tell us um, that we say we interchange I or me too much, actually, not that last one. Um, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?